Welcome to the Inspectations Podcast, hosted by Justin Starbird, CEO of the Abley Group. In business, one of the most difficult tasks a leader must do is find a way to inspect what they expect. Too often, great businesses fail or managers lose their way because they were operating based on expectations that they had not yet inspected. The Inspectations Podcast brings together business leaders from all industries to talk about best practices, innovation, leadership, and business development. You're listening to the Inspectations Podcast. Here's your host, Justin Starbird. Welcome back to this episode of the Inspectations Podcast, where we work really hard to try to inspect what we expect. Today, I have a good friend of mine, Richard Tillon, the owner of New Evolution Video from San Diego, on with me today. Richard, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, man. It's always great to see you, Justin. Uh, Thanks for having me on your podcast. It is great to see you. We don't get to work together nearly enough, but uh, hopefully this is what spurs both of us. Absolutely. We're on opposite sides of the coast, but nonetheless, we're connected. So happy to be here with you. We've done some pretty cool projects together. So, uh, you know, uh, and I think we came together because we've got a, you know, real shared vision of, of how we work with our clients. But, you know, tell me a little bit about uh, your background and about New Evolution Video. Yeah, man. Well, when I was a little boy, uh, my mom would laugh at me because I wouldn't watch the cartoons. I'd watch the commercials. Like literally I'm four or five years old and like I would walk away. And then when the commercials would get back on, I thought that's what I'm supposed to be watching. So, I mean, I really started my passion in this from like four or five years old. Um, Over time, I was like, oh, it takes a lot to do broadcasting. And I didn't have the money or resources to get into it. YouTube came out. I saw this awesome opportunity to help connect corporations with people that were spending time on this YouTube platform. People thought I was insane because people were like, oh, you know, Americans are going to spend their time on the computer watching videos. I was like, "Uh, yeah, they are. And so uh, I bought a little HDV camera. I, I just took it on trips. I was studying day in and day out how to how to do video production and how to do the business and start new evolution. Um, so that was about 2006. I literally started a year after um, after YouTube's inception and I've been cranking away at it ever since. And I mean, to be on that early, uh, you know, you had to have vision because not many people did. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was stuck doing weddings and events for so long. I, I felt like Gary V, you know, like yelling at these corporations, you know, like this is the next biggest thing. And people are like, e- what, what's YouTube? And I'm like, well, you'll see. And here we are. Here we are now. You, you know how that story ended. <laughs> I know. I, and absolutely. Here we are. Well, take uh, let's take a step back then. And let me ask you, um, how do you define video production? You do such high end quality videos and and I, I'd be remiss if I call them videos because really they're productions, whether they're 30 minute, uh, 30 second spots or, you know, you do longer form content. Uh, you really take a productive, uh, a production approach to things. How do you define that? Yeah, well, I mean, as much as I take video seriously, I also like to have fun with it because video has taken on video production has taken on so many different arms right now, right? We have still the big broadcast network agencies and we have smaller agencies and we have individual content creators. So video just keeps growing and growing into so much to all of us. Not only is it a form of entertainment, we use it to find our news. We use it to do business, you know, with what just happened with the pandemic the last couple of years, literally video became our lifeline. This is 
this is, it's not just, I don't even know if we can call it video production. It's a part of our lives right now so much. And, and in so many, uh, whether we're learning, whether we're having fun, whether we're promoting our business, whether we're getting, you know, uh, whether we're, you know, advertising or doing thought leadership content, video is just, it's ingrained in everything we do right now. So I would say video production is our, is our lifestyle right now, whether personal or business, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah, because people are putting it out on social media. They're putting it out, you know, in text messages. They're taking it at their, you know, kids' basketball games. I get it. Um, yeah, we've so- TV commercials going on too. <laughs> so don't forget that old, old, old dinosaur. That's still happening, right? With all these other new integrations of video in our lives. Yeah. Have you seen, so you mentioned the pandemic. Um, have you seen any, you know, specific trends over the last three years that, that you think will really stick? You know, we're, we're, we're going back to the office a lot more now, but I think what we've learned is we can be efficient by using video on, on Zoom chats or Google Hangouts or, or Microsoft Meet. Like if you're right. like me, you have them all because <laughs> yeah, you never yeah. know what somebody's going to use these days. So um, I, think that, I think that video meetings online and with the convergence of the, meta, the metaverse um, and the omniverse, NVIDIA and Apple are both two companies that are really spearheading video to become actually part of our reality. Whereas before we could pick and choose, I think we're going to see video integrated into you know, either glasses, like you saw Meta's new Ray-Ban glasses that they have the little camera on it. I think that that video is also going to become smaller. So maybe contact lenses, we're seeing earbuds in people's ears. So we're really seeing how media and not just video, but media in general is getting smaller and how it's, it's, it's coming across to us and how it's integrating into our, not just our everyday business life, but personal life as well. So I, I think that we're still going to, I think we're going back to real life quite a bit right now. We're, we're going back to trade shows where when it was in the pandemic, we were virtual trade shows, virtual meetings, virtual everything. I think we're still going to see that as, as a big part of how we do business. But I, I do think there's some integration back into the real life as well. So uh, I think it's going to be back to your initial uh, question. I think it's going to be still an integrated approach. And I would say 2575. So 25% of business is still going to be online with video. And then I think we're going to have 75 go back. But I think as time goes on, that's going to, that's going to shorten. I mean, that, that ratio is going to come down a bit and we might see 50, 50 coming back up, which is yeah. where we're at the pandemic. We were actually the opposite 75% video online, 25% real life. I think we kind of flip-flop that, but I believe we'll see a convergence of 50, 50 here very soon. And to that end, you know, what do you think goes into telling a great story so that you can take the, you know, online, you know, reality and actually see it in real life? Yeah, how do you how do you do that so that people, you know, have clear expectations, you know, when they do interact with a with a new company or you know a new product? I think that I well, I don't know about you, but when I look at videos, I want to be entertained. Even if it's a business video or if it's a social video, um, if you can entertain somebody and still stay on brand, if you're if we're talking from a business standpoint, that's mm-hmm. the most valuable aspect of marketing is to entertain people. And video is such a great way to do that. And we we live in a society now, especially with the younger generation, not it doesn't have to be so serious anymore, right? We're right. living in a time where 
you know, we all want to be entertained. Geico was a great example. I always use Geico because I just love their their sticks on the caveman, on the three little pigs, on the the gecko, the Geico lizard. Um, and that's still the number one advertising on TV right now. That same campaign that was 20 years ago is still relevant and thriving now. And the reason why is because it's entertaining. Now they plug their company at the end, say, we all know the, the slogan too, right? Say 15% in 15 minutes or, or less. And so, um, you know, that to me is the epitome of, of how you would want to create entertainment value through video and, and parse it out to the masses. So you make a good point about, um, you know, parsing out information to the masses. And recently you actually wrote a, a blog for, for your website and, and to your point about, um, you know, content industry content it, where you came up with the 10 top, uh, top 10 secrets for video making. Uh, the first thing that you said was to know thy audience. Tell me a little bit about, you know, how uh, a company can get to know, you know, who they're actually selling to, because you know, as well as I do, when we're talking to some clients or, or really prospective clients, usually they're not sure who they're making this for. Right, right. So there's a few different ways to go about finding out who your audience is it depends on how long your company what stage you're in and your growth or if you just started or if you've been around 20 years um, so to know your audience it would depend where your company's at but let's say for instance you're a 10 year old company you've been doing some great business for a while and you serve let's say for us for you you serve uh, tech companies right well, there's a lot of different tech companies. You wouldn't want to just say, I serve tech companies. Let's drill it down further. And let's say B2B SaaS companies, right? So we're getting where we want to find out who that exact person is. And then we want to talk to Sally, who's a 43-year-old marketing director at a SaaS company that is within the parameters of what our ideal target client is. Let's say 50 to 500 employees. So we're going to get granular. We're going to keep going down that until we have one person to identify that who we're going to speak to. So it, it just, you, you keep wanting to drill it down until you have one person you're speaking to, and that's going to help your branding. Everything you do, just speak to that, speak to that one person. Well, and the second thing that you mentioned was knowing what your company is all about. And a lot of times, you know, at least I pull you in when when companies are coming together after either reorganization and they're trying to rebrand or uh, when they have a, a launch of a product that they've built based on the needs of their customer, but then they're also still trying to figure out what they do as a company. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, your overall message or, you know, I call it a brand position statement. That's who you are, who you serve and how you serve them. Uh, you really need that elevator pitch, that, that, that standard core message of what you do in a few sentences. And that's going to that overall message you want to convey, the value you bring to that audience we just mentioned. That's your position in all of your website, your video, your email newsletters, your, your socials. They should really blossom out of that brand position statement. Yep. Well, and that, that brand position statement really creates a clear message is, is how you said it too. And you get to talk uh, about what it is that you're doing. Um, and it, that's got to be something that's uh, somewhat difficult sometimes. 
it is difficult because we need to talk more about our audience and ourselves. But when we talk about our audience, <laughs> right? I love, right? Wait, wait, I'll stop you right there because I, <laughs> I love that because you and I have been on a call a couple of times where they're like, I do this and I do that and I do that. And I've heard you call people out and say, wait, 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 who cares? Who cares? Right. Right, right. If you're serving, you know, we, we won't mention any names here, but if you're serving the audience, you know, you need to talk about how your your position is going to help their lives get better. And it's not just from a business standpoint. This could be from even a personal standpoint. You know, I'm, I'm taking a more tongue in cheek. I'm redoing my website, right? And I'm taking this tongue in cheek, fun, conversational, um, you know, and talking about how we help savvy marketers make their families proud of the videos they produce, right? Because that's what they really want. They want their CEO to be proud. They want their families to be proud. They want a job security, knowing that if they're going to work with, with us, you and I, right, that, that we're going to help them get that fulfillment out of life. And it sounds maybe counterintuitive to super techie marketers, but I can assure you that people relate more to that sort of language and they'll do business with you, you know, more often and frequently if you speak about them instead of yourself. Well, that's a great, uh, I love that. You want to make everybody proud of you, right? Uh, it's kind of like the old, <laughs> the, the old adage, if you can explain it so your grandmother can understand it, then you've done something right, right? And you want to make your grandma proud too. <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah. and so uh, another point that you made was about having a, a really good concept. And I think, uh, I think that's pretty neat because you always have the opportunity to uh, get some creative liberties in there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, concepts are, once you kind of know your market and know your position, then you can move on to concepts. A lot of people want to dive into their concepts and they just didn't do the framework, right? It's like sort of building a house without an architectural plan. Like, yeah, you might get that house built, but it could fall apart, right? That's the same with your marketing. And so, you know, once you build those foundations, right, give yourself some time and space too. Like if you were ingrained in that, sometimes if you jump right into concept development, you might be a little overwhelmed. Like one of my biggest tactics is I, I like to meditate. I meditate every morning. And, and even when I'm doing projects for my clients, I'll meditate and give it some space. It's actually counterintuitive, but I think consciousness loves reverse psychology. So actually when you give yourself a break for it, have you ever like written something and then yeah. like the next day you look back and you're like, holy crap, right? Cause you got, gave yourself a little space from the concept and right. then you came back to it. So I say if, if you're new at, at developing video or um, um, like just even a directive in general, you're looking to go after, you know, don't, don't force yourself into it and check with your team and give your team a little time to breathe with these concepts. That's how you develop good concepts. And look, if you and your team suck at developing concepts, come to, come to Justin, he's a, you know, a master or even, you know, myself, you, you and I are great at helping companies with concepts. And sometimes, you know, like we said it before, the cobbler doesn't make his own shoes. Sometimes the people, the marketing directors, branding directors, and even executives, they have a hard time doing it for themselves. And I think that's just something that happens in consciousness for us. Well, because they're just stuck in the mud all the time, right? I mean, and what, you know, if you're, you can't see the forest through the trees sometimes because you're in the forest, right? So, uh, you know, and that, that, uh, those concepts should lead to an emotional response. Right. And, and that, you know, all these steps kind of keep building on each other. How do you help, uh, you know, customers and and potential clients work on 
evoking an emotional response in their video because because not a lot of time i mean you and i both know sometimes working with technology companies or you know uh business to business emotional response isn't the first thing that comes to mind right and it's the most powerful so it's really (laughs) it's really odd and, and awkward sometimes to me again it goes back to thinking of your customer first and wanting to entertain them and really having their best interests in mind and not trying to, you know, force down a sale or a lead, right? Just there. So there's different parts of that emotional response. The first part is awareness. If nobody knows of your brand, you need to create an emotional response in the awareness stage. The next one's the engagement stage. The next one's a conversion stage. So the emotional response at each different stage of the process, if lead generation is your goal, for instance, needs to be put in the right stage. If you're trying to do an, a convert, if you're trying to convert an emotional response from the first video and nobody knows you, they're like, who's this sleazy salesman trying to sell right. me their goods? And they didn't even entertain me first. Like, no right. thanks, right? My so, favorite. So, you, you know, one of the things I always bring up as an example about that is the original Dollar Shave Club uh, yeah. video. And, and that was one where, but if you go back and you look at it, it was like two minutes long. It wasn't a 30 second get to know us pitch either. Um, no. And I think, I think there's, you know, it depends on the video and depends on the production because, you know, in 30 seconds, you're probably not going to get an emotional response, but when you're walking through, uh, you know, your, your uh, warehouse, you know, on your train, I mean, that's kind of a neat thing. And it hits so many emotional resonance points. I mean, he starts off with bleeping a swear word, which is absolutely a funny gaff. Like it gets your attention right away. And it's speaking to the men who know that razors are crap a lot of the times, right? And yeah. he says, are our Not for you good? and I, though, of course. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are our razors good? No, they're bleeping great, right? So, yeah. So right away, he already entertained his audience. There's an emotional response because those men that are that are doing the shaving thing, they already know that most of the razors on the market are crap. Right away, it was entertaining and it brought that emotional response. Now you're on the train and you're going to watch the whole thing. I mean, he got you right away. And he yeah. brought some insanely emotionally. It was funny. It was engaging. I mean, he actually wrote that script himself and was the actor. He took acting classes and script writing classes to actually get that production done as well as he did. Now, the cool thing about that story is he went on to sell his company for 900 million. He was first offered a hundred million and his mom says, and he said, no, I don't, I don't think you should take it, sweetie. They went back for 400 million. His mom says, maybe you should take it. And then he said, no. And then they came back to him and said, we'll give you 900 million. That's our final offer. And uh, he sold it for that all due to a video. Like literally most of that success was from that video. It was unbelievable. So, so you make a good point about success because that's the number six thing that you point out is to, to show success. Um, and like you just said, uh, you know, he's walking through and he says, are they good? No, they're effing great. Uh, and so how do you help a client understand how to show success? Well, it, you know, when we talk about the emotions, everybody wants to be successful, especially if, they, if they're going to do business with you and you're an agency, you got to make them feel emotionally comfortable that you're going to provide the success. A great way to do that are through case studies. I mean, that's a bit of corporate jargon that goes back a hundred years. It's still really relevant. Um, success is by doing something and actually succeeding and then having something, you know, having something to say about that success. So if you're going to go after, you know, uh, again, I just mentioned tech companies because I know you and I have a huge focus on that. It's like, well, what other successes have we gotten tech companies? If we're going to help another one. I mean, 
Somebody wants to know what successes have we brought other people and can we bring that same success to them? If we can quantify and prove that success, then people are going to emotionally connect with us and also, um, you know, and, and also just strategically, right? The emotional yeah. first and then the strategic and success comes in kind of both of those, in my opinion. And people don't want to be left behind. They want the social proof, right? And whether it's uh, somebody that's uh, an adjacent industry, or even a competitor, they, they don't want to be the one that's not doing it. Exactly, exactly. And when you've got other people that success, that could be their competitor and they want that success. Yeah. So, so you know, proving success is, is very important for there's another element to it too. I mean, we've talked a little bit about the, uh, about messaging concepts, emotional responses, but style too is so important because to me that, that guides a lot of what the, you know, how the work, the work looks and feels too. Yeah. I mean, you have your brand style guideline if you don't get one, right. <laughs> you need to know what fonts and colors and graphics and like, how are you going to represent your company in, in your social media and your email newsletter and all the marketing channels you're using. Um, but style goes just beyond the, 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 the style goes beyond just the brand guidelines and, and how things look. It goes into your conversation. Like what, what is the style of the conversation you're having with somebody? And that, I break those down into three tones and I'm like, what tones of your production do you want? Do you want it exciting, professional and funny? Do you want it, you know, uh, memorable and emotional and sentimental, right? So that's what I mean by style. Um, of course, there's a brand style guidelines, but what style are you going to communicate with your client? Uh, and that's yep. really what those tones come down to. It's so important that a brand has you know, three to five tones, those are also synonymous with kind of values to me, in my opinion, as well, when you're looking at mission, vision, values, your tone and your values are generally going to be very close to each other. And that's what I mean by style. Yeah. Well, and how does that work with the language of understanding? You know, that's a unique phrase that you don't hear as often as maybe you should. Uh, but but you've explained it really well. Can you can you, can you share it again? <laughs> Well, I mean, if you're going to go out with this, uh, the language of understanding is getting people to relate to you. Like, can they understand what you're saying? And, and through that understanding, does it resonate with them, right? Like if, if you don't understand who you're going after, how they want to be communicated on what platforms, what duration of video, you need to really understand the emotional resonance that you're going to uh, convey with your, with your marketing strategy, but you want people to be able to understand it. And I say three things, and this goes back to Procter and Gamble days is simple, memorable, and concise. I mean, Ogilvy, Procter and Gamble, those are the marketing masters of the 20th century. And that rings true to today. So if you want somebody to understand you, keep your content simple, memorable, and concise, and that will help you raise your level of understanding with uh, with your audience. Now, does any of this change based on the platform that a company is going to be using, or do you try to help? To, you know, we talked about YouTube, but of course now there's TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat was here and now, and now it's back again. And then you know you still have Twitter and Facebook, and those are social platforms. But then you and I have also worked on uh, corporate videos that are there for trade shows, and you know, in sometimes investor calls or um, investor videos, uh, you know, for quarterly reviews are as important as anything. Does any of the other eight things that you talked about, you know, is that dictated by platform at all? 
Absolutely it is and it's not. So how it is how it is not dictated by platform is your brand voice, your tones, and all that kind of core competency of your brand itself is going to come out in all the platforms. And then the mannerisms, the mechanisms in which you produce that content. Don't forget about Clubhouse, Spotify. You know, what we're doing now, we talked about video, but audio is a huge part of that. Yeah. So so, you know, you, I think when companies are thinking about creating, like, for instance, social content and using those attributes across, across all channels, you also need to be thinking about content types and how that message is going to resonate with different auditorial learners, visual learners. You might say, hear me out. I might say, look, Justin, right? Those are, that means you're <laughs> auditorial and I'm visual, right? So, That's so right. Under, the level of understanding also comes into understanding whether that brand persona person is is a visual learner or an audio learner. And that's gonna, that could have a big part of how you produce content, what your methodology is, and most importantly, why, you know, why you're producing content for those platforms. Which, you know, leads me to the last one, which is probably my favorite. And for a lot of people also the most difficult, and that is, you know, having a call to action. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're asking somebody to do something and a lot of times companies get it wrong because they don't actually do that. And um, I think you and I are, are, are bold enough to, to not miss that opportunity. However, I would also stress that we're not tone deaf either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think your call to action, it depends if it's long or short form content. Like if you're going to do a webinar that's 30 minutes, you should have a call to action peppered in there. Like I do thought leadership content. They're about seven to 10 minutes. I usually have an eleva elevator pitch sort of at the beginning, the middle and the end. And I slide it in, you know, not aggressively like, hey, I'm discussing some some free ideas for you. Happy to do that. But if you're stuck on this and you want to you want to chat with me and figure out how to come up with a great solution, email me at Richard at newevolutionvideo.com, right? So I'm throwing that in there, but very non-aggressively, but still pointing it out. So on the text on the screen, I say email Richard, at, you know, so because look, I'm giving people a lot of free information. I'm spending a lot of time and resources doing that. All I'm saying is, hey, if you have questions, contact me, right? Now, some, some call to actions might be more aggressive, like, um, you know, like a commercial, for instance, at the end, you need the phone number, the website, the mailing address, you know, where to, where to text something. So it, you're, 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 you're the form of media and what you're trying to get across on that should almost always have a call to action. And sometimes that call to action needs to be less conspicuous than other times. So use that um, as, as a guideline on, on how and when and why to input that call to action to your audience. I feel like we could talk about that one topic as a whole interview by itself, but so well, let me ask, do you, do you have any bonus tips for us today on other things to consider as you're going through and thinking about uh, putting a, a video piece together? I, I could go on for days too, Justin, this is like my favorite topic, but let's be honest, our time is limited and, and let's, let's, let's just cut right to the chase here. Look, virtual reality and augmented reality, we're going to see the convergence of this happen like a tornado ripping through society in this decade. 
you know, I was right about YouTube and its onset right when it came out. I saw virtual reality come out in 2012. I knew it was going to be the next biggest thing. It's taken a little while, but if you're not studying immersive tech, immersive websites, immersive trade show visibility, uh, immersive social media stuff, get on that, study that. I For marketing directors, if you don't do that, you may just lose the whole shebang this decade. Yep. It's going to, it's, it's already there and it's going to keep increasing as time goes on. So get virtual, understand what that means and know where your company is going to sit to produce that type of content in the near future. Absolutely. I, I like it. I like it a lot. Richard, so thankful to have had the opportunity to uh, talk to you today. It's always great to catch up. Hey man, I can't wait till our next project, Justin. Love working with you <laughs> and your agency and uh, thanks for having me. Likewise. Until next time, you've been listening to the latest episode of the Inspectations Podcast. You have been listening to the Inspectations Podcast. On behalf of your host, Justin Starbird, and our guests today, thank you for listening. To learn more about the Inspectations Podcast, our guest, or the Abley Group, please visit us at www.ablygroup.com. Be sure to keep inspecting what you are expecting.